Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? Welcome to episode 16. And today is all about self-care skills for navigating summer as a highly sensitive person. Now, I've just come in from the garden. I was out there a little bit late this morning, so the sun was already a little higher than it is when I'm usually out there watering and just pottering about, checking on things. And whew, it's warm. Like, it is already very warm outside. It's about mid-morning. And if you are in BC, or perhaps lots of areas in the Northern Hemisphere right now, we're just about to head into a fairly high heat wave. And this got me thinking, oh, this really reminded me of how many highly sensitive people struggle with summer. Now, it can be challenging on a lot of different levels, which I'm going to get into in a little bit, just to name what they are. Sometimes it's helpful to hear that maybe you're not the only one that actually doesn't love going to the beach with all the people and the brightness and the 10-minute walk across hot sand to the bathroom. Even things like the white noise of a fan running continuously or an air conditioner running all day long can kind of wear us down as highly sensitives if you're one that is particularly sound sensitive, which I definitely am. Maybe you feel like, well, I should like going to the beach. I should like going camping. Everyone else seems to. But remember, you're out of your regular, lovely home, your place of sanctuary. If that's not your home, I truly hope you have a place where you can go and just feel restored. Because sometimes three o'clock in the afternoon at a beach, say, crowded in with a bunch of other people, and maybe you're just feeling overheated, dehydrated, and just a little overstimulated, probably not the easiest place to restore for all of us. Though I also want to name that we are all unique. We are all very different. So some highly sensitive people will love summer, adore summer, can't wait for it to come. Now, I definitely used to be one of those people, and I still am to a degree, But I notice even over the years, things change. And I used to really love sitting out and just baking in the sun, just soaking it up. I spent my early 20s in Australia. I lived there for about five years. And I just loved heading down to the beach 
they have a lot more beaches than where I live now in Canada. So they tend to not get very busy. (laughs) And it was such a, a fun time in life. And I honestly feel like it didn't affect me as much as it does now. The heat, the sun, all of that. So all of that to say, maybe you love summer. Maybe you really cannot stand summer. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Now in today's episode, I'm going to dive into six self-care skills for navigating summer as a highly sensitive person. Now, before I do that, I have a few announcements, a few things I want to share with you all, some things that I have planted the seed for earlier and are well and truly up and running now. So the first one is all about flower essences. Have you ever been curious about them? Maybe you've heard me mention them on the show, though I've never actually tried them. Or maybe you're someone who's been taking flower essences for years, though are looking for a spiritual community to explore the flower essences within. Or perhaps you simply have a love of nature and are wanting to bring more magic into your life. For those that resonate with any of these ideas, then I'd like to introduce Flower Essence Monthly Magic, where we'll be gathering the magic, healing, and vibrancy of flower essences together in community. Each month, I'll be mailing out the month's feature flower essence. As a group, we'll all work with the same flower essence, and then we'll meet once every month in a live circle online to share our experiences and our insights. Now, flower essences are, in my opinion, soul-level magic. They just bring things into life and surprise me in unending ways. Sometimes their effects are subtle. Sometimes they knock you over the head with an insight that changes everything. Flower essences are essentially the liquid potency of plants. So they come in a little dropper bottle, a one ounce dropper bottle. And they're an energetic form of plant medicine. They help stimulate our awareness. They help us understand ourselves better in a different way than, say, counseling or other self-exploration work, though those are wonderful to pair with flower essences. And I personally feel like they also attract opportunities, situations, healing events, that help us to better navigate life. You may have even used flower essences without actually realizing it. One of the most common ones, the most popular ones, is called rescue remedy. So when I'm referring to flower essences, it's actually the same thing as flower remedies, which some people know them as. So the Bach flower remedies some people are familiar with, Though I also work with FES flower essences down in California, Alaskan essences up in, obviously, Alaska, and ones that I've made myself. So Flower Essence Monthly Magic is all about having a container to learn about and experience flower essences together. 
It's about deepening your intuitive plant connection. And I'll also be walking you through how to make your own flower essences at home. So as I said, with Flower Essence Monthly Magic, we're going to meet once a month in a live online circle. I'll mail out a flower essence, good old-fashioned snail mail to you. And at this moment in time, this is mainly going to be mailed out to those in Canada and the United States. Though if you're outside those areas, then I can probably find someone, connect you with someone in terms of a retailer to get your flower essences. So if that speaks to you, then know that all the information is on my website, combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. To join, it's $97 per month, and that includes your shipping as well. We're going to start with a three-month container, and then we'll go from there. Our first circle is coming up quick, so if this speaks to you, I invite you to head on over to the website, have a read and a tune-in, and to join into the lovely group that's already started for this. In some ways, the sooner the better if you know that this is for you, so that I can get this first flower essence out to you. Some of those in the group have been working with it for about a week already, and it's going to be pretty cool to hear about everyone's experiences. So I have talked quite a bit about flower essence monthly magic. It's something really near and dear to my heart, and I get a lot of questions about flower essences. People aren't too sure how to navigate them, to start with them. They're not sure what they are. So I created this as a container to both learn about them as well as share your experiences with others. All right, so the next announcement is simply that this month's circle, well, actually, we're not quite there yet. We've done June circle. July's circle, the Awakening Soul Circle, is going to be coming up in middle of the month. And keep an eye out on combinationhealing.ca forward slash events for those. They are 22 Canadian to join and a chance to tune in to seasonal energies and have some fun and guided meditation with fellow highly sensitive souls. Lastly, I wanted to share a really cool and kind of crazy fundraiser by a really good friend of mine, Chris. He's doing an 8,000 kilometer bike ride. And this is in big part a fundraiser for BC Children's Hospital. He has a story about some close friends of his, which I know who have really had some challenges with the health of their youngest little girl. So they have been into BC Children's a lot. And Chris wanted to give back. He wanted to raise some awareness and raise some money for all the really great work that BC Children's does. So if you'd like to support Chris on his epic bike ride, he is partway through British Columbia right now. And yes, we'll be continuing riding through this coming heat wave. Then head to bit.ly forward slash BC Children's Bike Ride. And I'll put all of the links that I've mentioned in the show notes. So again, that one is bit.ly, so B-I-T 
dot ly forward slash BC Children's Bike Ride. So good luck to you, Chris, and travel safe. All right, let us head into the wonderful season known as summer. So I alluded to some of the challenges that highly sensitives go through earlier, though both from clients and even those that have just messaged me on Instagram or have gotten in touch with me, sharing how much it is a challenging season. So when I say self-care skills, I use those words really intentionally because some of this is really things that we need to learn and practice. So given that it's such a overwhelming time for many of us, this is a great time to bring some consciousness to the practice of self-care. So I'm going to dive in to the first self-care skill, not going to be too surprising, and that is really to have sunglasses on you at all times. Now, this might sound a little bit funny, but I know highly sensitives that even on very cloudy days will be wearing their sunnies outside. This is a way of decreasing, obviously, the brightness, but it decreases the amount of stimulation on our nervous systems. So I know when I head out for, say, a bike ride and I leave my sunglasses at home, it's like a good five minutes of me just attempting to adapt to not having that little bit of support, that little bit of barrier from the strength of the, of the sun. And I can tell my nervous system's more stressed. I feel a bit more anxious. So I now have a few different pairs that are in various places. Sunglasses can just kind of walk away sometimes, it feels like. So I've had to find homes for my sunglasses to make sure I know where they are and can grab them at all times. Anyone else have that problem? running around, where are my sunglasses? Just me? Anyway, I find that the more my eyes can be relaxed, the more my nervous system can calm. This is something I actually consciously do after, say, being on the computer or coming inside after it being really bright outside, is to even just gently bring my palms just over my eyes so that they have complete darkness, not with pressure or anything like that. And I also think of relaxing and softening all the little muscles around my eyes and that support my eyes. And this can really help to just dial back the level of anxiety or stress that we're feeling when it's related to brightness, and it can be really surprising how much that can affect us. So I know it sounds simple, but self-care skill number one is having your sunglasses around, making sure they're handy, knowing where they live, and also, of course, making all of these suggestions, because that's all they are, your own. So if you love the sun, if you want to get out in it, 
and you don't have a strong aversion to brightness, then go for it. This is where our preferences come in. Shade, sun, you do you and enjoy it. So self-care skill number two is to take your time. Things can move really fast in summer. It can feel like there are a lot of things happening. There's picnics, there's outings, there's hikes. If you live in a mountain town where there's long winters like I do, it can feel like this almost inner urgency to make the most of summer. And you may find yourself over planning. You may find yourself having a lot on your plate compared to, say, the darkness of winter. The energy can also get moving quite quickly in summer. On a more seasonal, spiritual level, the element of this time of year is, in my own belief system anyway, is fire. Fire is hot and dynamic and pretty energetic. It's many other qualities as well. But it can sometimes be easy to get wrapped up in almost like the hamster wheel of so many things to do, so little time. And I sent out a message to all those on the newsletter list last week about having difficulty sleeping at this time of year. The nights are so beautifully long. By that I mean I get to sit out and watch the moon rise, have a fire in the backyard, and just really soak in the magic of this time of year. And I find it hard to go to bed at, you know, a reasonable hour that I would need to catch up on sleep. In an ideal world, I'm like a 9.30, 10 o'clock-ish. And then sometimes in summer, it's like I'm out in the garden, I'm enjoying the day, and all of a sudden I blink and it's like, oh, wow, uh sun's down so that means well and truly getting on in the evening and I still have all the wrapping up the day kind of chores so it's 11 sometimes 12 and I go wait a minute this is just too late for my nervous system continuously I can do a few nights of that but the other problem is I have my cat alarm she's wonderful her name's yogurt And she likes to come in at the very, very first signs of light. So around the solstice, that cat alarm clock comes very early. (laughs) And it's not unusual to see her coming in about 4.30 and she wants to hop under the covers and snuggle, which is lovely. However, you can see the challenge there. Going to bed too late, getting up a bit too early, doesn't bode well. So I've gotten back onto my more regular schedule that works for me. You got to work out the optimal times that work for you, given that there's different seasons in life too. So this is kind of what I mean by take your time. Things move fast. It becomes easier to stay out late, sometimes hard to sleep in enough, especially if we're 
say, living in an apartment that's really high up and gets really warm early. So take your time to look after yourself. This is why it's a self-care skill. I know that's really broad, but take your time in planning what you are doing in the day and in the weeks. So leave a little more space for yourself than you think you might need, if that's possible. And take the time that you need for yourself. Okay, so that was self-care skill number two. Take your time. Let's move on to number three. And that is simply to be friendly to yourself. Now, what do I mean by that? This is actually a phrase from an author called Jeff Warren, who co-authors a book, I think it's with Dan Harris, called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. Great book, by the way, partway through it. Wouldn't say I'm a skeptic of meditation, though always looking to bring in new layers. And he uses the word be friendly to yourself instead of the word self-compassion or loving kindness, which are also wonderful words. But I feel like there's so much in summer that can really, A, as I mentioned, overstimulate us from a nervous system level, like literally just be outside our bandwidth of how we can remain comfortable. If it's too hot, if we've done too much in the days, if we haven't recharged enough. So being friendly to yourself, being kind to yourself. And that other element that I kind of briefly touched on earlier around that sense of, well, it's summer, everybody loves summer. Isn't it kind of weird that I don't? And it's okay if you don't love summer. It's okay if it's a challenging season for you. It's okay if you don't love going camping, if you don't love going to the beach. Sometimes it can make us feel even more different to not love these culturally glorified things. Everyone's Instagram is going to soon be filled with pictures of them out in the wilderness enjoying the sunshine. And I know I'm speaking broadly and in a stereotypical way, but for real, we're going to see a lot of really beautiful places and people enjoying the sun. But remember, we're not seeing the mosquito bites. We're not seeing the, uh uh-oh, we're running out of water. We're not seeing the challenges. So if you feel like, hmm, if you feel like you're abnormal in any way because you don't love summer, I invite you to first be friendly with yourself and then to let that thought just float away because you are a brilliant, wonderful, unique, and only you. There is literally only one of you. So how you are is something to be celebrated especially your sensitivity. So if you're feeling like you don't really fit in at this time of year with what everyone else loves to do, that's totally fine. And 
If you're someone like me who has overdone the trips in summer, I'll expand on that or explain that, where I live about an eight-hour drive from a family, and the summer I'm thinking of was the first summer I'd moved out to Rosalind, out to the Kootenays. So that first summer, I did a ton of trips. I went both exploring the local area, because it's wonderful and beautiful, and I just wanted to check it out. And I did a lot of trips back to Vancouver. I was visiting family, and within those trips, I would also pack up all my flower essences, as well as my treatment table, and I'd go do sessions out with my clients there. And I'd hold circles, and Really kind of like part work, part family trips when you're traveling. Hmm. They were good at the time, and when I got to the last one, I went, okay, I've learned that really doesn't fully support me. So that's what I mean by too many trips. And that can look like anything for you. One trip might feel like too many. But especially this summer, there might be a lot of people heading out to a lot of places. And it might feel like we're kind of getting left behind if we don't also have big summer plans. You know what? Staying home and if it's an option, even taking a staycation can be pretty fun. So that's what I've opted for this year. I've got a few trips planned And by a few, I mean two at this stage. One is just three nights, short and sweet. And the other will probably be a little longer, still landing on the dates for that one. And you know what? I feel so much less stressed than I did when I was planning to A, catch up with everyone, and B, go do the trips that I'd been kind of waiting to do. I'd put on the back burner and navigate all of this in the times of wanting to retreat on my moon time, on my cycle, my period. So I was like, how am I going to plan all of this? (laughs) It was getting stressful until I realized, oh yeah, I don't have to plan it all. I don't have to do all of that. So that's why I've kind of pared my summer down to really focus on what really matters And even if there's a million other great trips going on, sure, I may jump on one or two. But by and large, on those times where I feel like I should be doing more, or, oh, it's so nice, I want to go to the beach, but I know it's going to be crazy busy, I'm just going to be really friendly to myself, give myself a lot of self-compassion, and just go, you know what? I'm okay right here. So that was self-care skill number three. Just being friendly to yourself, especially if you don't really align with the cultural norms of exploring during summer, doing lots of travel, doing all the things, or even not really liking going to a busy beach. Just being true to yourself and your nervous system. So self-care skill number four is to actually have some part of your day that's still routine or predictable. Now, 
Remember before when I was saying how around solstice I was going to bed way too late and getting up, well, actually the weeks leading into solstice, and getting up too early from my lovely cat alarm that would come visit? That's when I shifted out of some of my habits. I kind of let them all go. And (laughs) by saying I let them all go, we never let all our habits go. Our brain is always looking to make shortcuts, to put things on autopilots, autopilots, yeah, there's plurals there, (laughs) on autopilot. So we're still going to have habits, but I digress. So in this time, I kind of got out of my main morning practice, my main evening rituals, and it was just kind of going through the day, and I'd kind of get to the end of the day. This happened for about a week before I went, okay, hang on, I'm getting to the end of the day feeling fried. This is not how I choose to feel. This is not how I normally feel on most days. I totally have my days still. But that just reminded me about the importance of having even a small part of my day be routine and be predictable. So given that I've had a morning practice and an evening ritual for so long, it actually was fairly easy to bring those back in and... The very first thing that I did, of course, I say of course, but was to prioritize getting that bit of extra sleep. That really helped me get back on my feet with my habits that support me. And again, this is why this is a self-care skill. So I also feel like I haven't fully explained why having a routine or having some part of your day be predictable is even important. And honestly, speaking from my own life and from many other highly sensitives that I've either worked with, talked with, friends, having a part of your day where you don't have to make decisions, overthink things, plan ahead, or have that variability, when you don't have all that happening, it can be actually quite calming. Like, as an example, if I know when I've gone to bed that I've got my oatmeal soaking ready to just turn on in the morning, like it's in the pot on the stove, ready to roll. I've got my tea there. I've got the water in the pot. I've got things set up for the morning so that I can just come downstairs and just turn on elements. I don't even have to think, what do I want for breakfast? And sometimes in the morning, I may change my mind and go, actually, I really feel like this. And that's fine. I'll just have that instead. But by and large, I actually try and take as many decisions that I don't need to be making, especially early in the day. And I kind of make them the night before, or I just have them already set up for for things that I know work for me. I know it works for me to have oatmeal and all my things set up. And to tidy the kitchen in a certain way so that when I come downstairs, I feel ready to start the day. So having a bit of routine in your day, and ideally not like 24 hours of the day, flexibility, spontaneity, these are all good things. But having even a few minutes of routine in your day, and this is where it's great to bring in a particular self-care, either time for yourself or practice that you do, but having that as part of your routine 
Some people may not resonate with the word routine. Some people might. And it can be really helpful for our nervous systems to just know what's coming up. It's helpful as a highly sensitive to have some parts of our day where we we can really just kind of coast through them. So I feel like I've gone around this in a a backwards way, but self-care skill number four is having some part of your day be routine, be predictable, having a habit that supports you. And if none of those words really fit for you, then I really, really like having the word ritual as a place to come back to. Some people don't want to set up habits. They're like, no, I I rebel from that. That's okay. But setting up either a practice or a ritual where, say, in the morning, I have a particular grounding, clearing, and re-energizing ritual that I do, and it's a visualization, a meditation, and it really helps set me up for the day. If I have to think about, am I doing it today or not, then I have to decide to do it. If it's just part of what I do, okay, after I finish breakfast, I sit for a minute, have my one-minute meditation, usually longer, not always, and I'm okay with that. And then I will go in and do this practice. Now, it doesn't happen the exact same way every day, and that's okay, but that's how I've laid it out. Sometimes the cats will run by at that moment and need something else, so that's okay. Flexibility is helpful, but give yourself a little structure. Given the wildness of summer, given all the things going on, given the changing plans and how every day might look different, giving yourself a bit of structure, a bit of a touchstone with a routine can be really helpful. Right, I hope all that makes sense. And by all means, there's no need to think I am like a perfectly, hmm, like I have this whole meditation whole thing worked out to a T. Every day is slightly different, but generally speaking, it has been pretty life-changing to have this morning routine, to have these morning rituals. Now, of course, given the fact that I now have a very large garden and that that needs attention every morning, it's changed. So let your routines change as life changes. So let's go to self-care skill number five. And this is a simple one and one not to be forgotten. Make sure you eat solid food and drink enough water for you. Now, again, this sounds simple, but... If we were here together in in a circle, I'd be going, all right, how many of you have this thing called getting hangry? Getting angry when you're hungry. Getting frustrated or cranky. It's even one of the points on Dr. Elaine Aaron's HSP quiz, the self-test rather, having a strong reaction to being hungry. And I find in summer, it can become really easy to just kind of graze at things. Oh, I'll have a bit of this, especially with the garden. Ooh, I'll have a couple tomatoes. I'll have a couple peas. And then I come back in. I'm like, hmm, okay, I'll make dinner later. And then I blink and it's like 8.30. (laughs) So 
this is something that sometimes the day gets away from us and it's something to just notice and perhaps plan to have some some solid food made. I know when it's really hot out, we may not want to make our regular meals. I, for one, loves soups, stews, things that come from the oven. So given those are a bit more wintertime foods, but obviously um, still going to be great year-round, I... Yeah, I struggle getting real meals every day of the week unless I plan for it. And I am a meal planner. I'm not perfect at it. I go in phases where sometimes I'm better than others, but by and large, I do plan my meals and it makes a massive difference. By that, I basically will pick four or five dinners go shopping for them, know I have the ingredients, and I don't know what order I'll eat them in necessarily. But that just cuts out a lot of that decision fatigue and that like, what am I going to have for dinner? Now, this may not be your style, may not work for you. That's just fine. You definitely do what works for you. But this helps me make sure I keep getting regular meals. I have leftovers in the fridge. I and This one, I totally don't know if it's a highly sensitive thing or not. I don't eat a ton of raw food. I know I just alluded to having this huge garden. And I do cook a lot of it first. I know when I eat a lot of raw food, I just don't digest as well. So my mom and I have actually chatted, wondering if there's a a link of high sensitivity with digestive challenges. And for me, given the gut brain, given how our nervous system interacts with our digestion, our vagus nerve, there's a lot that could be said for that theory. So maybe someone's already written a blog post on it, don't know. (laughs) For now, I'll just say I know I need still a lot of cooked food in summer, and sure, a lot of that's barbecue. So glad to have a barbecue. I went a lot of years without one. So eating solid food, and for me, eating cooked food is really quite important. And just balancing that with salads and balancing that with raw. Some people do really well on raw, and they they choose to have most of their diet raw, and that works for them, which is awesome. I tried it. It didn't go so well, (laughs) and that's okay. It can also feel a bit deceptive when you get quite warm that you just may not feel as hungry. And then later afternoon or evening rolls around and you might be like, oh my goodness, why am I wilting like a unwatered plant? (laughs) I'm struggling to get through the day. And it may be a food thing. So just a little self-awareness piece to just notice how much food do you need in a day and... When is it helpful to maybe plan a few meals? And again, I know I'm speaking to a lot of different things here in terms of habits and meal planning and know that they all take time to put in place. They can. Now, you don't have to take any of them on. These are ideas for you. These are thoughts and suggestions to hopefully help you navigate summer in a really good way. So it seems very obvious to say make sure you drink enough, but I will definitely, and honestly, I usually carry a water bottle around with me anyway. 
I automatically feel thirsty if I don't have a water bottle with me. And I'll be making sure to drink enough water, but also to get enough of salts, electrolytes, things to actually balance that so that my body actually holds on to some of that water and processes it. I actually remember, as I'm saying this, when I was back in racing days, I used to do a lot of cycling, a lot of road racing, and of course that's in summer. So I remember the head coach telling us all to salt our cereal, and I thought he was joking. And he kind of was in a way, but actually also not in another way. He essentially was really just getting home taking enough salt to balance and electrolytes to balance the water you're taking in. So I won't get into a whole physiology lesson. Again, this isn't nutritional advice, anything like that. But having water, honestly, in our diets, and I mean this in the general Western diet, there's usually lots of salt in it anyway. But just something to think about and to consider and Right now, I am not an athlete racing many, many hours in the sun, so I don't need as much salt and electrolytes as I did then. All right, tangent, over. Back to self-care skills. So that was self-care skill number five. Make sure you have solid food and solid food that works for you. Like I will still cook up a stew every so often, and make sure you're actually getting enough water. As highly sensitives, we may feel the effects of this even earlier, which is good because we can work to correct it, but it can just add to our level of stress in a day to be overly thirsty, to be overly hungry, and not so awesome to feel that way. So I hope this has given you some As I said, ideas, these are suggestions, and these are some thoughts to really navigate summer as a highly sensitive in a good way, as I said. So let's shift into our final self-care skill for today, number six. And this is solo time. Now, a lot of highly sensitives, even those that are extroverted, knowing that not all highly sensitive people are introverted, rather. It's about a 30-70 split, roughly. And that means about 30% of highly sensitives are extroverts. They gain their energy from being around people. And for me, I know I fall more on the introverted spectrum, particularly at certain times of the month, though I often call myself an ambivert because I do enjoy going out with groups of people, sometimes certain people. So all that being said, we still need our solo time, as solo as that gets, given that you may have young kids, given that you may have lots of people you live with, but we need that solo time to rest, to recharge, to reduce the stimulation on our nervous systems so that we can process whatever we've just experienced in a day. Solo time can give us those pauses to reset, to recharge, and really reconnect with ourselves. Now, I'm thinking of a Charlie Brown quote 
It's a little comic from a long while ago. I think it's at probably the bottom of my Instagram feed because I'm pretty sure I shared it on there. I'm at, at Combination Healing. And it is Charlie Brown and Snoopy. I think they're in bed and Charlie Brown has his head over the co- under the covers, something like that. He's saying, it's too people out there. And that just so summed up a lot of a lot of feelings I've had. I love people. I think people are wonderful. And sometimes it feels too people-y for me. Yes, I am going with Charlie Brown's made-up word, and that's okay. So sometimes there's a lot of people around, and it's just a bit too much. So we are often tracking the people around us, and by that I mean we are watching them, perhaps unconsciously, seeing if they're all okay, does anyone need anything, is everything harmonious... Again, this is often happening under our conscious awareness, but it's like instead of during solo time when we're mainly just tracking ourselves, paying attention to ourselves, when we're with a lot of people, it's like our awareness gets divided by however many people there are and all of the other things from the environment that we're in. Is it too loud, too bright? So knowing that breaks from people is quite a wonderful way to recharge. Again, no solid rules here. Take what works for you. And one of my favorite ways of having this solo time is to connect with nature, especially the flowers. This time of year, I just go out and even if no one's around, I will sometimes just gasp and be like, wow, look at this flower. <laughs> and I'm all by myself. That's okay. I'm not really by myself. I've got the trees and honestly, there's probably a bear within a, <laughs> a reasonable distance. We get a lot of bears here. So knowing all of that, I find it a really deep way to have solo time to connect with nature I find it a very spiritual way to connect with things outside of myself. Mother Nature has a lot she can gift us, even if that's sitting under the shade of a tree. And I also want to name that some people aren't really comfortable out in nature. So find what works for you. Now, if anyone is trying to find me these days, I am either inside where it's cool, and I am so grateful that I have a room downstairs where I have a lot of my crystals, it's where I do my sessions, and of course where my flower essences are, and it's down half in the earth, so it's cool. So you'll find me probably down there, or out in the garden really enjoying the flowers, the veggies, and I'll be making my way out into the woods for lots of walks here as we get into the rest of summer. Now on the Earth calendar, we're actually just past midsummer. Solstice is really a midsummer celebration, though it's often thought of a calendar of old. So given that in our 
current calendar, maybe, I don't know what to call it, our everyday calendar that we generally use. It kind of looks like summer's just started, but in a lot of ways, we've been in the summer energy for a while now. And it is really getting to these peak summer energies. There's lots of heat coming and praying for rain to come as well. So know that as a highly sensitive, you may navigate summer in a very different way than someone who isn't. For myself personally, I love getting out into the sun for short periods of time. When I get out there for too long, well, it doesn't go so well. So know that even if heading to the beach with everyone is something you really want to do, but you struggle to really be out there in the heat of the day, it can be a pretty great strategy, this is one learned from my mom, to go there super early. Not a lot of people at the beach at 7 a.m. Okay, sometimes there are. That is sometimes changing. But it's a lot less than 3 p.m. You get to enjoy the wonders of a morning in summer. So while some of the people in your life may love summer to a great degree and they may want to get out there, they may want to bring you with them, then maybe that's one way to kind of meet them partway, is to just go earlier or perhaps even later in the evening. But I often find going earlier when my energy is usually at its highest, the sun isn't yet at its highest, it's not quite as hot, and when it starts getting into, say, mid-morning, lunchtime, when things really start kicking off at the beach, it kind of feels like, okay, it's been great, bye, (laughs) and I can head home. So as a brief review, I'll run through one to six and cherry pick what works for you and just leave the rest. So self-care skill number one was sunglasses and relaxing your eyes consciously. Number two was taking your time. Things move really fast this time of year. It can be really easy to over plan. So take your time with things Bring in some slowness into your day if that's possible. And allow yourself the space you need. Number three was to be friendly to yourself. To be really compassionate, even if you don't love all things that speak of summer. Camping, going to the beach, that sort of thing. That's okay. You don't have to like them. And if you do love them, then enjoy. Have fun. Number four was to have some part of your day be routine, be predictable, having a habit that supports you with some structure in your day. Because summer days can change and be very different from one to the next, and that can be kind of draining to us. So create an island in your day where you know you can recharge, you know what's happening in that, say, even five minutes. If you need some support with that, this is something that I really help people with, is creating these rituals within their day that help fill them up again. 
Number five was making sure to actually eat solid food and drink enough. And number six was solo time. To have some space to yourself. Maybe that's connecting with nature, with the flowers. However you best recharge, just planning some of that into your day. So I hope that's been helpful. Those are six different suggestions you can use. If you'd like an additional five tips and practices for soothing your nervous system, then I invite you to head over to bit.ly forward slash soothe your spirit. So that's bit.ly forward slash soothe your spirit. It's a really simple, easy to digest one page that I send out with five of my favorite self-care practices. There are millions more, but these are generally a good place to start. I've mentioned quite a few links today, and again, they're all in the show notes. Just to wrap up, a reminder that Flower Essence Monthly Magic has started. The first essence is out in the world, out with the group. And there's still time to join in before we start our first circle. So essentially, diving in sooner allows you more time to work with the essence before we meet and share our experiences. And if you found today's episode helpful and you have a friend that you think might benefit from it, I invite you to share it with them and maybe let them know your favorite self-care skill that I mentioned today. If you'd like to keep up to date with the current episodes, then feel welcome to follow the podcast. I also send a message out to the Combination Healing community about the recently published episodes. So if you head to bit.ly forward slash soothe your spirit, you'll also be able to join up for my newsletters that I send out which really tend to be more story-based than anything else and resharing experiences and how to thrive with the gifts of being highly sensitive. I hope you enjoy your day. I hope you enjoy the summer and have some fun in whatever way that looks like for you. And until next time, bye for now.